Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. And hello everyone, I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, bringing you another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast as we continue the high school football season. So you know what that means, i got Alexis Cubit, our high school sports reporter with me, and uh, this one's going to start with a little... <clears throat> Not, not your typical, I guess, energy, if you will. Obviously, a tough, uh, a tough week last week in terms of just some some local local legends kind of passing away. So we wanted to obviously pay our respects to Lewis Kelly, a legendary head coach out at Estacado. I know you wrote a little bit about him in your feature. You're going to be uh, going to the uh, funeral later this week at the Estacado Auditorium. I guess what what did you kind of learn about uh, Lewis Kelly while you were kind of doing your story, Alexis? Yeah, I actually learned a lot. Um, I remember during the summer seeing uh, Randy Rosette had wrote a story about him, and so um, I just kind of, I guess, sort of familiar with him from that. But just doing the research and learning about him and talking to people about him, I mean, you know, he was a remarkable man. Uh, I think one of the things that kind of sticks out to me was um, the fact that even before he got here, he was one of the first players to integrate Cisco Junior College, I believe I saw. Yep. Um, that in itself is an awesome feat, especially with – you know, just the, the history and things that kind of go along with that um, that you don't necessarily always hear about. Uh, then you have him, you know, come to Lubbock. He went to New Mexico State. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's in that Hall of Fame, if I'm not mistaken. He's in a lot of Hall of Fames, by the way. That's another thing I learned. Um, and then he comes here and was just, you know, a difference maker. And then, again, the time period he was doing it, um, being, you know, a black man. I mean, it was just, mm-hmm. you know, amazing to see that and just everything that everybody has to say about him. You know, the mural there at the Estacado Fieldhouse. Yep. Um, it's kind of disappointed. You know, I wasn't able to, to meet him and just kind of get that piece of history because I always like talking to the older generation and kind of gleaning from their wisdom. But I mean, he left so much of it behind. It was an honor to be able to write that and, you know, talk to his grandsons and things like that. But yeah. So obviously a lot of things going on. Uh, the one thing I will say, certainly a personable man. I, I was able to talk to him a couple times. He's obviously been part of the community the last couple of years. Certainly uh, was good friends with Joe Cooley, who is now the Estacado head coach. Right. Previous head coach Marcus Shavers was a huge uh, proponent of making sure that Coach Kelly would obviously be at practices and doing all those sorts of things. Coach Cooley the same way, wanted to embrace that history, which it's real good history, as you had kind of mentioned. I mean, he was part of the – Charter class of the Lubbock ISD Hall of Honor in 2011, Texas High School Coaches Association Hall of Honor in 1997, Abilene ISD Hall of Honor in 1998, New Mexico State University Hall of Fame in 2004, and so many more. I mean, I could list them all off, but of course, the people in Lubbock will remember during his 30 years with Lubbock ISD, he was two, 240, 91, and 10. Just a, a very stellar record while yeah. he was with the team, and not only that, but he kind of started that... Uh, I guess that that, that, that kind of well-known kind of quote, if you will, just win. And mm-hmm. I think that's really kind of permeated into that Estacado football program, starting with Marcus Shavers and now continuing with Joe Cluley and company. Right. And then you just think about, you know, the season that Estacado's having right now and the fact that they haven't had that great of a season since he was the head coach. It's almost like one of those, uh, like, not reincarnation, but Coming one of those. Coming full like, circle. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, the fact that you know, kind of his his spirit is still with Estacado and, you know, they kind of carry that moving forward. That would be something that obviously would be kind of a rallying thing for them is, you know, make Coach Kelly proud. And I'm sure that's 
on the minds of a lot of the guys, um, like you mentioned, Coach Cooley would have him at practices last season. That's something he talked about, and that, that meant a lot to them, you know, just because of the kind of man he was. Well, they're certainly doing their best job starting 5-0 and for the first time since 1990. Obviously, you have a big game uh, coming up. We'll talk about that in a little bit more as we kind of obviously transition into our normal podcast. Our second portion will be with uh, post-head coach Michael Pittman. His team is off to a 5-0 and start. Yes, one being a weather uh, Weather shortened game, but still big victory over uh, Abernathy, 14-13. Talks a little bit about that, a little bit about his team, a guy named Tatum Thetford, who everyone will know by the end of the season. And then, of course, Ashton Jefferson, Nathaniel, uh, Nathan McDaniel, pardon me, and uh, Slayton Pittman were some other big players there. But speaking of big players, Estacado, we kind of started it off the top. I guess what, what have you kind of seen from the Matadors that we haven't talked about? Not only that, but just uh, what, what do they have coming up? They, I mean, pretty much like we've always said, I mean, I think the thing that separates them is that they're extremely well-rounded. Yep. You know, we came into the season, we talked about the defense, you know, deservedly so. You know, we talked about Jeremiah Dobbins, but I mean, he has this brother, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with his brother, Jalen. I have no idea who he is. Yeah. You know, not a lot of people do. Um, yeah. His brother, Jalen, I mean, has just come in and I think flew under a lot of people's radars. Yeah. And now you're seeing where it's like, okay you know, which Dobbins is it going to be, basically? You know, are they going to throw it? Are they going to run it? And Jalen runs, too. You know, he has uh, a few few r- rushing yards there. So, you know, they have that. And then they have players like, you know, Papa Blewett and Cedric Colbert and Tadrian Ward, you know, just a bunch of guys on defense. Um, you know, Jericho Flores there at center. Mm-hmm. You know, just, like I said, just a, a loaded team, you know, and it, they had such a good season last year. I think that they really relied on that, and they said, you know, we can do better than that. And, you know, of course, every season you want to improve, but I think they've really taken it to heart. I think that Glen Rose loss really – it really affected them. And, I mean, they're coming out, and they're not settling. They're not, you know, getting hung up on the fact that they are 5-0, and knock on wood. Um, they're playing like a team that is literally starting out 0-0 every week. Said it at the beginning of the year, I know Coach Cooley jokes about it at the weekly media luncheons, but when you add the factor of a big play when you throw the football, that's really the newest dimension that you can look at with the Matadors. That's the biggest difference. Yes, you get the big plays from Jeremiah Dobbins and Jalen Dobbins and TJ Steele, but when you can get uh, Jalen Dobbins to kind of hit some hit some, some of his uh, obviously talented wide receivers down down the field, whether it's I don't know, 20 to 30 yards, that really kind of starts things up. And yeah. certainly T.J. Steele's been that guy. Kiki Murray's been it every once in a while, and you mm-hmm. got some other guys as well. But I think that's really the biggest difference is that uh, – I'm trying to think of the word right now. The, oh, vertical passing attack mm-hmm. is really the biggest difference. And I know Coach Cooley jokes about it. He obviously wants to run the ball, milk the clock, let the defense kind of do it, but obviously if you can score a little bit quicker, that certainly helps you out a little bit to get off to a quicker start, which they've done the last couple games, uh, kind of alluding to what we were talking about. You have a 4 p.m. game at uh, Lowry on Friday. That's going to be the first of a doubleheader. We'll talk about the second portion of that a little bit later, but that one, I know you kind of talk about the knock on wood thing, but Clint, uh, it usually does not pose much of a problem for the Matadors. Obviously, Joe Cooley will uh, disagree with me as he sure. t- talks to his team, but this is one where the Matadors can kind of really flex their muscles once again. We'll probably see another big game out of Jeremiah Dobbins. We may right. see a big game out of Jalen Dobbins. 
heck, we may see a kid that we've never heard of that may have five sacks in that game, but certainly it should be a good one for Estacado as they continue to roll throughout this season. Yeah, and I was going to say, the other thing, they have a kicker. You know, Johnny Gomez true. coming in. Uh, from what I understand, TJ Steele kind of handled punting last year, but yep. now they've got Johnny Gomez in there. and you know, Baseball player. Yeah, you know, that's a, another important factor too. So like I said, just a, a really well-rounded team that's, you know, capitalizing on a lot of success. And I, you know, again, I don't want to jinx anybody, but I don't see them losing anytime soon. Speaking of some other good teams that haven't lost in the last couple of games, uh, Isaiah Johnson, Lubbock Cooper had a big game, 135 yards, was able to beat Clovis, New Mexico, 48 to 28, a team that really has been a bugaboo for some other teams in uh, the Lubbock area. Monterey obviously taking the first loss, Lubbock Cooper, uh, Lubbock Cooper, pardon me, Lubbock Coronado. Uh, having some trouble with them before they finally did kind of separate there. But I think Isaiah Johnson obviously is really the, the, the big name to talk about with the Pirates, but I think uh, their quarterback, Cooper LeFaber is obviously another guy to kind of watch just because of the way that he's been able to develop himself because of those two guys, not only Isaiah Johnson, but when Jacob Dennis can get going, you certainly have two offensive weapons there. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the, the thing that, I mean, everybody knew coming in, you know, Isaiah Johnson would be kind of that, that guy just because of, you know, last year and what he's been able to accomplish. But I would say that Cooper has made the transition into being that starting quarterback well. And, you know, it, it's a it's a problem, you know, for teams when they can have that balance and just, you know, be able to have those different options. And, I mean, they have – they're pretty loaded at the running back spot, I mean, if we're being honest. So they have different options there. And then they have, you know, different people. Cameron Bedner's there, tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, it – yeah, I mean – they had the one loss, and, I mean, I don't think anybody would fault them for that one loss. We've talked about that one. Um, but, yeah, they, they, they're definitely another one that's, you know, really rolling. And, you know, I think uh, that, should be, that should be a win on Friday in their, in their district opener. We'll see. Obviously, it's going to be a tough one uh, for everyone that starts district. Of course, uh, this week uh, you may see a little bit less of all the football teams. That's just because this is the one week where everyone has an open, open date, so you going to have a lot of districts that aren't playing a lot of games just because you're kind of preparing for that grind of course where you get the playoff uh, pardon me that the playoff uh, pairings or just kind of obviously kind of vying for the one through four depending on how big your district is or if you're lucky enough uh, you have a district where everyone kind of goes to the playoffs and you're just really fighting for seeding at that point so right. should be interesting to see one team that I'm going to be interested to to look at and see how things go uh, you talked about one loss uh, there's a team named friendship that has one loss four and one their best start since 2015 if i'm not mistaken when they had three wins if i'm not mistaken that year so certainly jay northcutt and company i've been talking about it since kind of last year i know you didn't see it with the wins and losses you may have not seen it prior to that but there is a culture being built there by jay northcutt and you are seeing it right now and i think the the one big thing is they're not turning the ball over and they're not kind of hanging their heads in adverse, when adversity hits them, if you want to call it adversity. I, I would just say it's a challenge in a football game, and they've certainly uh, s- stepped up to that challenge and done very well, especially in that big victory over Kenyon Randall, 35-10. to 10. Right, and I want to go back. So Lubbock Cooper is off this week. That they, they start are. next week. Yes. So I just want to clear that up real quick. But You're yeah. thinking Lubbock Coronado because I messed you up. So yeah, no, you <laughs> you're fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to see what French has been able to do, I mean, I, I really think that the guys have been extremely motivated by, you know, just not 
hating to lose more than they want to win. I think that's what you see a lot of just because of, you know, the past two years and the experience that they bring back. And it just seemed like a team that, that's really, really clicking right now. And I think that that's going to definitely, um, you know, bode well for them. I don't think that they were on a lot of people's radar at first just because of how last year went. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of like Coach Northcutt has said. I mean, you have these guys on this team for so long, they're going to learn something eventually. Yeah. You know, you can't play on a football team for, you know, three, four years and not learn and not grow and not get better. You know, and I mean, it doesn't hurt that they have a little bit of talent, too. So you add that talent and experience, and I think you're seeing some really good things right now. One big thing they learned is they don't like to lose. So I think right. that's one big thing. And they've lost once this year, have won four times. I think there's going to be a little bit more wins in that column. Abernathy, another good team. Bryson Daly doing what Bryson Daly does. But then you also have some other players there for them. Nick DeAnda had three catches, 49 yards, two touchdowns as Abernathy rolled to a 38-21 victory over Littlefield. As I mentioned before, there's a lot of open teams. Uh, was there anything else you kind of wanted to mention? Yeah, uh, I just want to shout out all the, the undefeated teams right now, like you had mentioned. Right. Uh, Post and uh, Estacado right now, also yep. undefeated. Rawls, they're going into an off week. New Deal, who have Trinity. Sudan, who just got off of a buy, or off open week. Um, they'll play Smyre. Borden County's undefeated and going into the break right now. Uh, Love at Christian's undefeated, mm-hmm. which is awesome considering they've played all UIL schools as a TAP school. Uh, and then you have Jayton, who's playing Rotan. Kingdom Prep also undefeated, and we're playing Patton Springs. So uh, that, I, that game was canceled. Oh, that's yep. right. That's right. Sorry, that was mm-hmm. canceled. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just want to shout those out. Sorry if I missed anybody. But, you know, to have – all or for those teams to be undefeated right now, I think is a is a great feat, you know, as far as that goes. So just wanted to throw that out there. It's a great feat, and you can also kind of look at all the talent that all of them have. I know when you mentioned Rawls, the one that kind of stands out to me is Jerry Flores had 355 yards, five touchdowns, and most of those touchdowns were about 50 plus yards or more, right. I believe 45 plus yards or more. So really impressive things being done in Rawls. Obviously, we cover everything around the South Plains. So certainly, if you have anything else you want to let us know, sports at com is where you let us know. But uh, in terms of some of the other things that we're looking at from last week, uh, those were kind of the big hitters that I saw. Uh, Roosevelt beat Floyd Data after going down 18-0. I thought that was slightly impressive from last Last week got their first win. As mm-hmm. I said, uh, they, they were in a challenge situation down 18-0. You could easily have kind of packed it up. They didn't. So good good win there for the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Torres had eight carries for 159 yards and a touchdown in that one. He's I, been solid for them all year. Absolutely. And I know you wanted to mention Seminole Denver City, a game where, I mean, I, I guess depending on who you wanted to talk to, you could have expected a very – kind of tough it out type game but right. I wasn't expecting 7-0 I was expecting at least 21 to 28 points combined by both of them but certainly it goes to show the two type of teams that, that were playing in that one yeah definitely I mean I think you have two two teams who like to run the ball but with running the ball I feel like that not saying that you're not aggressive when you pass the ball but there's just something about that run game when you have to defend it you have to kind of have that, that aggressive nature and I feel like both of those teams are very physical um, Denver City has uh, Aaron and Alexis Mendoza there mm-hmm. in the run game. Mario Sanchez at quarterback. Uh, Seminole has Jarrett Bagwell there. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of different runners. Devin Dorkson. Sorry if I'm saying your last name wrong. Um, and then just on defense, uh, Dylan Stokes. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe he, if he's not the top rusher or the top tackler in the area, he's among that top three. So, you know, when you have those different elements, um, 
you know, you never know what's going to happen. And honestly, I, I'm not surprised that Seminole won, but I was kind of expecting Denver City to win just because of, you know, that experience and then mm-hmm. being undefeated. But, I mean, I think that Ty Palmer's doing a great job there at Seminole and, you know, just getting that start and only having the one loss to Midland Greenwood. I mean, it, it's been a good season for them for sure. Sure has. And then uh, not only that, but then we'll kind of finish it off with the game. You were at Sundown at Toho- or Tohoka at Sundown. Obviously, the rough Roughnecks got a big victory. You kind of saw what we were expecting out of that team. We'll see if they continue that once uh, district starts. They've obviously struggled to get things going offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about cross country as you kind of watched uh, Sundown take uh, or sweep the title at the Lubbock ISD Invitational uh, the day after. But I guess what did you see from the old rough roughnecks on Friday night? Well, no pun intended. It was rough to start just because um, there was, I know, there was nothing that seemed like it could go right for them. It was just, you know, little things after little things. And then the safety hit and you're like, OK, you know, how is this going to go? But um, I think one of the things that Coach Cummings talked about was that they are doing some different things and trying new things, but their run game has really kind of really picked up there um, with Cade Conway and um, EJ Hernandez. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not just Gus Davis anymore. You know, you can't just watch, or I'm sorry, Christian Huey throwing to Gus Davis. It's not Mm -hmm. just those two anymore. You now have a run game. And then, you know, with different defensive guys like Carson, Carson Holson, I can't talk today. (laughs) Carson Holson and Caden Marshall and just all of those different guys on defense, they just really, you know, they really turned things around there in the second quarter and, you know, just really ran away with it. So it was just kind of interesting to see their response to the first quarter. And then Tohoka had some struggles with just, you know, not turning the ball over. There were, I believe it was five, and each one Mm -hmm. was a turnover that – uh, sundown used to convert into points and so when you you know you do that it's hard to come back from like a coach overstreet said and you know they're get, able to get the win but uh you know it's a it's a learning experience like you said they're they're glorified practices for district game and so you know each team kind of saw different things that they liked that they didn't like um but i think at the end of the day it was just sundown just got really really physical and aggressive and just kind of you know, I think use that first quarter to motivate them to to say no, we're not gonna we're not gonna slip into this. Yeah, Malik Hamilton having a tough go of that as well. Uh, a guy that you obviously expect to get some yards once district starts, but certainly he was able to see, as you said, some good competition and kind of figure things out. But speaking of running away with things, sundown the next day, obviously had some really good runs. Uh, Braden mm-hmm. Sanders being the one that you kind of featured as he was good teammates with Stephen Quintanilla, the male athlete of the year for the Lone Star Varsity uh, Awards that we do every summer as well Mm -hmm. wanted to see if he could try and at least be like his best buddy and certainly did so as he was able to lead the sundown boys to a title at the lubbock isd invitational and then of course uh, you kind of mentioned the girls as well in a column that you had on monday Mm -hmm. that is switching to tuesday for those that pay attention to the type of stuff but the peralta the uh peralta oh man what what did you say the peralta God, I can't think of the word right now. The Peralta... Peralta Pack. Peralta Pack. There you go. <laughs> you got all three of them going there. One, of course, being Ashlyn, Gabby, and Grace. They all uh, packed together, and they were able to help uh, the old Ruffettes to a big win. Yeah, it's kind of cool to see just because, you know, it's always nice when you have that, that family connection. You know, I could kind of relate having two sisters of my own. You know, we weren't runners, but uh, we did other things together. So it was kind of kind of neat to see that and just the fact that, 
you know, uh, talking to Coach Darden, obviously Sundown's had a, a lot of success in mm-hmm. their uh, cross-country programs, and you kind of see that continuing. I believe he said that that was their third sweep of the season, which would be pretty much every meet they've had thus far, I believe. And Give so, or take, yeah. Yeah, something along those lines. I know that they won the or swept the LCU meet a yes. couple weeks ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a good spot to be in with – it's crazy to think that district meets is already come are already coming up as far as that goes. The season's just gone by really, really quickly. But, you know, everybody's in good position. You have Braden there who's, you know, leading Sundown. I think it's good for Sundown and those boys to kind of see that because I feel like a lot of attention was put on Steven, and obviously we know why. I mean, he's obviously running in college. So, Pretty good. Right, I was going to say he's obviously a good runner. But I think you're seeing now that um, – they're having that continuity because he wasn't just the only one. And that's the thing in cross country that, um, you know, if you watch it, you understand that you can have one good runner, but if the other runners aren't there with them, I mean, you, that's one point, you know, so you can fall behind. But if you have those runners that can pack it in and kind of run together and be that pack, like I talked about the Feralta sisters, Mm -hmm. then, you know, you get up there and you might have, you know, somebody in first but if you have somebody who's fifth, sixth, and seventh, I mean, you put yourself in good position. I think that's what they've been able to, been able to do. Yeah, if you can do anything from one through fifteen, you're obviously going to be doing something really good, right. and that's what they did. So, to kind of get into the lightning round as we get to the next week, uh, we talked a little bit about Estacado hosting Clint. That's going to be the first part of a doubleheader. The second part is going to be Coronado hosting Abilene Cooper in a district game. Coronado obviously getting a big victory, having some big victories now the Mustangs have. I guess what 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 have you seen that has made you feel like something has changed? Because I know everyone keeps asking. It, it seems to be the question everyone always asks when you're losing. Well, what what can you change? What can you change? Yeah. I, don't, I, I frankly don't think Seth Parr has changed anything. It's just no. a matter of what you have talked about. These kids are just tired of losing. Maybe you execute something better, right. or maybe you're just making bigger plays. Yes, we can talk uh, whatever you want to say, Lubbock Cooper, or I'm going to, you can't talk, I can't talk. <laughs> Coronado had a big game against Lubbock High. That was expected. Right. But the thing that you have to like is the way that Sawyer Robertson was throwing the football. Yes, he's going to be your big time player, your big D1 prospect, but you got other guys, John Hernandez, Caleb Manuel starting to get going. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one thing Seth Parr will tell you is once you get the running game going, that's only going to help Sawyer Robertson, For and that sure. clearly helped him. Yeah, definitely, and that's the thing. I think that any coach would want is they want that, you know, that balance because I mean, you throw the ball so much, or you run the ball so much, and you're that one dimension. I mean, people kind of figure it out, mm-hmm. and so they'll start, you know, combating that with, you know, different things like the pass rush or whatever kind of coverage. Dropping people back. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, you know, you have to be able to know when to do what. And so for them to be able to kind of get that run game going with Caleb and uh, even Sawyer, you know, I feel like that that's made them a lot better. And, you know, I mean, I know they don't want to make excuses, but those weren't bad losses when you consider how Estacado and Lovett Cooper are doing right now. I don't think that that was uh, – outside of the realm of possibility mm-hmm. as far as that goes. I know they're obviously you want to win every game, but I feel like they've really taken those to heart and learned different things. And, you know, kind of that iron sharpens iron kind of deal as far as that goes. So now they can come in and, I mean, they're going to have another big test against Abilene Cooper, who just uh, debuted at number 10 in the Dave Campbell rankings. They're mm-hmm. 5-0 and coming in. So uh, from what I understand, this is not a game that, 
uh, Coach Parr will have a hard time getting his guys excited for because they always look forward to playing uh, Abilene Cooper. So we'll see if they can get that upset. But, I mean, I think that they definitely have the energy and the confidence to do it. More importantly, it's a district game, and as we talked right. about, that's how you get into the playoffs. And obviously a lot of kids like to continue to play football instead of ending it on that 10th uh, 10th week. So that's a lot of motivation there. I know after that there's not a lot of games going on uh, this week in terms of big game mentality or, or just big game feel, if you want to call it that, for lack of a better term. It's just, uh, as I mentioned before, just a lot of districts are having their off weeks. So not going to be as many teams or as many matchups as you – kind of expect the last couple weeks so but there still are some good ones uh trinity christian and new deal should be interesting just as you kind of mentioned a taps team that has some really good uh, athletes going against a very athletic new deal team i think that one should be a fun one that'll be up and down a lot of scoring going on whether it be by one team or the other uh should be one where matt hill at least learns can his team continue its success i know we talked about some of the undefeated teams that's a team that if you go on a quick run, you can see what happens as the Lions went to the state title game last year. Yeah, definitely. And I think that um, there were a lot of question marks behind New Deal, I feel like, just because of all that they graduated. But I think you're seeing now that, you know, they're able to, to keep up with, you know, that continuity and not Well, have they've been answered of anything, all those questions. Yeah. I, I think uh, when we were talking with Dylan and some of the other guys preseason for our magazine slash football tab whatever you want to call that all of them said we have guys it's just you haven't heard of them yet because we had two guys that were really good jet whitfield and dk blaylock who i'm talking about from last year you obviously had some other uh, big time playmakers as well that matt hill will talk about but those were the two that kind of took the headlines if you will but they certainly have some other guys dylan obviously i've already mentioned his Mm -hmm. name but you just see these other guys that now that the spotlight is now on them they are uh they are just taking it and running with it, for lack of a better term. And I think that's really what you're seeing out of the Lions is that now you know that you have a full-team effort. Not to say that last year wasn't a full-team effort, sure. but it helps when you have those two big guys in Jet Whitfield and D.K. Blaylock. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that there was a spotlight on them. So, you know, some of the other guys were able to flourish a little bit, but they still got the spotlight. So now that they have that experience coming back, you know, without those guys, they're still flourishing. So, but honestly, that district is really interesting to me just because. It's of, just tough. <laughs> yeah. And then just how, you know, Post has really come on really strong with just how they were able to or have been able to perform. And then you have, you know, Sundown who got that, those two good wins there uh, against Trinity Christian and now Tahoka. Um, you know, Florida, even with the loss against Roosevelt, still has some key pieces that they're bringing back. Uh, Alton is actually having a good season. Jack Alcorn is throwing and passing and being kind of a a do-it-all guy for them on offense. So I don't think it's as cut and dry as maybe we thought coming into the season, but uh, it will definitely be interesting to see how that pans out. So I guess in terms of any other games that you saw on the schedule, I guess what kind of really stood out to you? Those were the three, at least for me, that kind of stood out. Of course, uh, I almost forgot Monterey is hosting uh, Amarillo High on Thursday. Obviously, that's going to be a big one for the Plainsmen to see if they can get back on the old winning track and then uh, just kind of see what what they've got going. It seemed like they had something going, then all of a sudden just something changes. And I think right now the biggest thing they need to find is just uh, their, their, their defense 
in terms of can you get into the backfield? Can you slow down the opposing offense? And I think that's going to be the biggest thing that they find out with Amarillo High, which was a team that got shut out by Friendship earlier this year. It should mm-hmm. be interesting to see what, what kind of goes on there. Yeah, you have – it's just – football is just funny. I think sports are just funny in general because you have, you know, Amarillo High beats Tascosa. Then you have Friendship who beats Amarillo High – and now you're coming into this one, and it's like, okay, what's Monterey going to do against Amarillo High? Transitive wins. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it should be – I think the main thing for Monterey is just kind of like Coach Hutch talked about, just executing consistently. Yeah. You know, if they can do that, they have a really talented offense. That they do. You know, they've got some weapons on defense. Mm-hmm. But can't everybody play together at one time? Can you keep your heads up if you give up a big play and just say, okay, next play, next play? Um, you know, and if they can do that – I think that they can they can win some games. They have shown that ability in the in the wins and the losses have been like you have said. Maybe they didn't play up to par once. Maybe they were in that challenge situation of being down a couple scores or something because they do have an offense that can score from anywhere on that field. With Corian Bailey being that dual threat quarterback, you obviously have Tyree Tipton and some of those other guys that are playing for them. But uh, I. Again, I've said it before. Once district starts, you kind of throw everything out there. I know right. I, it's cliche to say, but I, I just think Coach Hutch has something going. I think uh, his players certainly don't want to be uh, sitting around once Week Ten uh, comes right. around again. And I think that's uh, again a huge motivator for a lot of these teams. That yeah, you can look at the overall record af- after the uh, non-district schedule, but again, that doesn't matter at this point. What matters is district. What matters is what you do now, and I think that's going to be the interesting factor. Yeah, I really like the way Coach Overstreet there Tahoka phrased it. He called non-district the glorified practices, and I feel like that's really really spot on. You know, you you go out there, and obviously it's a different opponent, but that's all it is. It really has no bearings on you know, your playoff seeding or even getting into the playoffs. You're just using those games to kind of um, sharpen your skills, hone your skills in for when district starts. And I think that scheduling has a lot, even though they are not really, they don't really count, it's still important on who you schedule. Because if you schedule, you know, teams that you know you're going to beat, how is that really helping you? And I think that, I think a lot of teams around here do a decent job of scheduling, you know, good competition Mm -hmm. so that they are able to, you know, be prepared. I mean, I think that's kind of what you're seeing with, with Monterey, too, you know, and just the teams that they've played in, the non-districts. So now they kind of see, okay, you know, here's our potential. I think that they saw – you saw a really good Monterey team play against Lubbock Cooper. Yes. I think they showed exactly what they're capable of. Without Corian Bailey, by the right, way. Right, exactly. So, you know, if you, you figure that and factor that into everything, how much better can you be when you, you know, have everybody and you're playing on all cylinders and – you know, just the fact that Zylus Johnson's only his junior and had three sacks in that game, and that's what some people took, you know, five games to get. So, like I said, they have it. They just have to. They just have to get out there and execute. Yep, we'll see if we can execute as well once uh, all the football starts this Friday. Of course, you can check all that out on LubbockOnline.com. LubbockOnline.com slash Lone Star Varsity. Twitter.com slash Lone Star Varsity. At Lone Star Varsity on Twitter. Add Lone Star Varsity on Instagram, Lone Star Varsity on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Lone Star Varsity. You can get all those updates there. Of course, we'll have our picks and everything else that kind of goes along with the Thursday through Friday action, along with gamers and recaps and all those other things. Uh, did you have any other games before I cut you off? Um, no, but real quick, I'll just go for the, the stat leaders. Oh, that's right. Go for it. Um, so, of course, 
staying at his number one spot, Jeremiah Dobbins there from Estacado will be the leading rusher in the area. Um, please, coaches, remember to turn those in. Email us at sports at lubbockonline.com to be included. Uh, Sawyer Robinson, after his performance against Lubbock High, has now dethroned uh, Donovan Smith. So Sawyer Robinson there at Coronado, the top passer in the area. Leading receiver is still Drew Cocut from Friendship, who was the male athlete of the week last week. Um, like I mentioned before, Dylan Stokes at Seminole would be the leading tackler. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Rhino Garcia from Rawls, who has four interceptions. Uh, and then we have a three-way tie for quarterback sacks with Papa Blue at Estacado, Jeremiah Essex at Estacado, and Abraham Van Gundy at Rawls with five sacks on the season. So there you go. All the stat leaders, and you can get all that on Thursday. The rest of the names, should I say, in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, and then, of course, LubbockOnline.com. We appreciate everyone listening to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Carlos Silva for Alexis Cubit. Appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next week. And hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Silva with the Lone Star Varsity Podcast, the sports editor for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal newspaper, and you're listening to the second portion of the podcast. And, of course, that means we're bringing on a head coach from a winning team from last week, and this time we've got post-head coach Michael Pittman. How are you doing, coach? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, well, I appreciate you coming on, coach. Obviously, I've been meaning to talk to you for a little bit. Uh, I don't know if uh, you've spoken to Matt Stepp recently, but he kind of mentioned you as one of the dark horse teams out here. And certainly you guys aren't a dark horse anymore after starting off 5-0. and But I guess for you, what, what did you kind of see from your team preseason that kind of made you feel like you had something special going on? Well, you know, I, coming into the year, I thought we was going to be a lot better. You know, last year um, – we probably started nine or 10 sophomores. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, they, they played hard. They worked hard, uh, did some good stuff. Uh, they were competitive, uh, not as competitive as we're used to being out here at post, but, uh, you know, they're, so they've been around winning and, and, and stuff, and, you know, most of their, from starting in junior high. And, uh, so, you know, I know we would be a little bit physically, uh, more mature and the biggest thing is probably the, the mental maturity that we've shown, uh, we tried to work them pretty hard in off season. I thought we had a good off season and coming out, you know, I knew we'd be a lot better. I guess in terms of uh, the schedule and I guess j- j- just what you were trying to learn about your team, I know obviously it was a, a weather uh, kind of forced uh, ended uh, a weather shortened game, should I say against Abernathy, but what did you learn from your team about playing a, a team that obviously is going to be a, a one that gets into the playoffs, makes a deep playoff run and just plays a, a real physical style. You know, um, going into it, 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 it's one of those deals where us and Abernathy kind of have a pretty good history. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we've had really some some pretty good battles throughout the year. So, uh, you, you know, I know going in that game, our kids are going to play hard. I know their kids are going to play hard. But, uh, you know, I, I really think I was probably most proud of, uh, you know, first couple of games um, before that game, you know, we hadn't really faced any adversity. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and we got off to a good start, but then we had a, you know, a couple of plays where we didn't necessarily execute real well. And, and, you know, and they were able to make some big plays, but every time we faced adversity, you know, I, I really liked the way our kids responded and, and, and come back and kind of forgot about that bad thing and just kind of went on and, and tried to, you know, execute to the best of our abilities. 
Well, 14-13, you guys earned a pretty big win, a weather-shortened game in that one. Uh, after that, you got a big win over Slayton, a, a very athletic team that I'm expecting to kind of make some noise in the postseason as well. I guess what, what did you learn from your kids kind of playing a team, kind of like you said, you, you're obviously playing a, a tough team where you saw some adversity with them, but then Slayton, uh, 42-14, I guess what, what did you kind of learn from your from your kids in that one? You know, kind of the same thing. Um, it's another it's another big game for us, you know, uh, Post and Slayton. Uh, been playing for a long time. Uh, probably, you know, the biggest thing I that I think we probably took away from it, you know, we had back-to-back back-to-back weeks where we had to uh, really get up and play well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we started out very well. Um, uh, I felt the first quarter, and, and for about half of the second quarter, we played really well. Um, you know, they have lots of athletes, lots of speed over there. And, um, you know, about midway through the second quarter, we had a, uh, <clears throat> a couple of breakdowns, and, uh, you know, they were able to kind of close the gap. And I think they scored uh, probably about two minutes left before halftime to mm-hmm. tie the thing up at 14. And, uh, you know, they kicked off to us, and, and uh, boy, I really liked our response. You know, we, we moved the ball down probably, you know, four or five plays, and we scored to go up, you know, right before half, you know, make it 21-14. Uh, we came in, made a couple adjustments, and, uh, you know, that, the kids, uh, they're doing a good job of, uh, you know, taking coaching and, and, and trying to apply what we're trying to tell them. And, uh, you know, we come back in the second half and uh, just played well of the second half and, and uh, you know, we're able to put the, put the game away. Kind of talking a little bit more individually about your team, Coach. Uh, obviously, one kid that was uh, nominated for Athlete of the Week, Tatum Thetford, had a 303 all-purpose yard, six touchdowns. What have you seen from him that's just allowed him to kind of, as you said, kind of grow from last year after obviously kind of suffering through some adversity that maybe you guys aren't used to during the season? Uh, you know, he, he really has. Uh, you know, another thing that we're doing with Tatum, uh, we're, uh, you know, he's an athletic kid, uh, you know, and uh, we're kind of moving him around using him in some different spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that's really been a, a benefit for us. Uh, you know, the other night he, like I said, he had a great game. Uh, but, you know, I think that's one thing about our team. Uh, you know, we have lots of weapons. So, it, you know, it's not that one guy. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I think going into it, uh, oh, Ashton Jeff- Jefferson had been on a hot roll. And uh, he, uh, I think their game plan was kind of, and Tatum kind of been in the background a little bit more than, than, than Ashton. And I think their game plan was to take away uh, Ashton and, mm-hmm. and, and, when they did that, that opened up some opportunities for Tatum. Like I said, he played a well of game. You know, he had oh three rushing touchdowns, I believe. And then, you know, we're playing him some at receiver. And, yep. Uh, he had two touchdown receptions, and even and then you know, I think the first series, I think he threw a touchdown pass. So you know, he's very versatile, and uh, I really think he's uh, it's helped our team kind of moving him around, and 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 you know, because it makes uh, other teams kind of wonder where he's at, and you know, have to do some different things. Depends on the position he's playing. You're listening to the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. Uh, this is Michael Pittman, the head football coach at Post, who are now 5-0 and going into a bye week. Uh, last one before we kind of talk a little bit about uh, the bye week, what y'all are doing, and uh, kind of previewing your next uh, game, Coach. I know you talk a lot about Ashton Jefferson, who's another good rusher. Tatum, obviously a good rusher. Nathan McDaniel. Slayton Pittman, your quarterback. When you look at Tatum, and not to kind of focus on him, but obviously at a Class 2A level, you obviously need kids that can kind of play, be versatile, play 
defense and offense. Uh, does it seem like Tatum ever gets off the field, or do you have a bunch of guys that kind of just play kind of most of the game there? Yeah, you know, he, he, he plays a lot of football, uh, which, you know, we have a lot of kids play a lot of football. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're uh, we're probably carrying about 20, 21 on the varsity right now. So, you know, the, we got most of our kids are going to play offense and defense yep. and special teams. And, uh, you know, uh, we, uh, you know, going into the season, I, you know, we talking to Tatum and we're talking basically all our kids, you know, uh, we, we try to rest the majority of them. You know, if they get tired, they need a breather. Mm-hmm. Um, we tell them, hey, we'd rather rest you on offense than defense. So uh, we try not to uh, pull kids out on, on defense unless we absolutely have to. Um, if we, like Tatum, for instance, if he needs a, he needs a break, uh, we try to rest him a little bit on offense and keep him out there on defense. So I guess going into a bye week, Coach, and I don't know if this has changed throughout your coaching career, but what, what do you kind of try to accomplish there? Well, you know, basically, uh, we try to heal the bodies up a little bit, uh, try to, you know, keep their minds fresh. Uh, so basically, I, you know, I don't know if this is the right thing to do or, or this, but this is kind of how I always handle the bye week. Uh, we, we shorten down a lot of what we're doing, mm-hmm. um, as far as time and stuff like that. Uh, we try to focus on some just fundamentals, you know, we're, yep. We're we're a little ways away from playing that next game, so we don't really start necessarily game planning specific for the next team. Uh, we just kind of work on some fundamentals uh, and, like I said, try to get them off the field as soon as possible. Uh, and, and and then we condition though. This is probably the worst, condi- you know, as far as not the worst, but this is the most conditioning yeah. we do during this week, just to try to keep them and and then get them off the field and and um, maybe you know when we come back next week they'll be ready to go. Well, speaking of next week, you got a big district opener against uh, Hale Center on the road. I guess what what do you kind of know know about them? I know you kind of joined the joined the district last year, but I guess what what do you kind of know about them, especially with the way that the Owls have been playing recently? You know they they uh, I hadn't I hadn't watched them a whole lot. Uh, yeah, watched them a little bit, but uh, <clears throat> I know just watching scores, um, they they seem to be getting a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they throw the ball quite a bit. Uh, you know, Coach Smith does a good job over there, and uh, you know, I feel like they uh, definitely going to try to test their pass defense. And uh, you know, they uh, pretty pretty hard nosed kids, and they play hard, and uh, you know, it'll be a well of game. I know I've asked you this before preseason, but I guess what's it like to kind of play in a district like you do with Hale Center, Olton, Sundown, New Deal, and Floyd Data, especially with New Deal, who uh, just came off a, a run to the state title game last year. And it, you know, it, it's it's tough, but I think you know, it, in some ways, it, it it's pretty difficult. But in other mm-hmm. ways, it, you know, it might make you better for the year because you know you got to get ready each and every week to play. Um, you know, and I guess our, I don't know if our location or what it is, but you know, whether we went south or whether we come back this way, it seems like Post is always in a tough district. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's something that we're used to. It's, it's nothing new, and. uh you know, you just can't take anybody lightly. You can't look ahead. Uh, you just got to kind of fa- focus on the task at hand and, you know, try to handle it one game at a time. And, uh, you know, if you stub your toe, well, you got to get ready for that next one. Or if you, you know, if you're fortunate and you win, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of got to put that in the back burner and uh, move on to that next one. 
Well, as of right now, you guys haven't stubbed your toe yet, Coach, and it seems like you guys have a really good offense. It uh, seems like it's got a vintage defense that you're so used to where obviously you kind of like to run down the clock. It's kind of funny when you kind of see you guys kind of made some big plays there because I know I've seen you guys a couple times. When you make big plays, it's those big runs. So obviously it's moving the chains a little bit for you all. But um, I guess j- just from your perspective, Coach, uh, what, what are you kind of expecting kind of the rest of the way, especially with district starting and the way – Y'all started 5-0 and and kind of w- w- with all that momentum going into the rest of the year. You know, that's the key. We just want to keep that momentum, uh, you know, and, and like I said, right now we're, we've been pretty healthy. Uh, you know, that's a big factor in yeah. in uh, any any team, but especially, mm-hmm. you know, a smaller team. Yeah. Uh, you've got to stay healthy. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're just going to try to keep that momentum, uh, keep working hard, and, uh, and uh, maybe we can keep it going and, and like I said, you know, off, you know, talking about our offense, we we uh we got a few new wrinkles. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're probably I probably thrown it more in five games than I have in probably about three years. Which we're 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 still we're still going to run the ball. That's yep. that's our mo. But mm-hmm. but we have opened it up a little bit. I was about to say, you guys are close to 100 yards passing, so per yeah, game. So <laughs> like I said, you know, some years I've 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 had some years where we didn't throw. 100, 100 yards in four or five games. So, you know, we have opened it up a little bit. Yeah. Well, once again, Coach, I appreciate you joining us on the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. Good luck to you the rest of the way, and we'll uh, talk to you down the down the road, my man. All right, man. I appreciate you. Once again, that's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Carlos Silva with the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. You've listened to our podcast once again. We'll talk to you next week.